And stuff. Well, I'd like to invite all the kids. Miss um, Whitney's back there, and she's got a children's experience uh, tailored just for them. Uh, so if uh, all the kids, uh, but you're certainly welcome to stay um, tonight. But, um, and then they'll join us later on when the uh, music's playing. It's kind of cool that when we're playing all these songs, all these rambunctious kids come back, and we've got dancing going on over there and everything else. Um, I truly like that about new life. We have uh, freedom here uh, to express ourselves in worship uh, any way that we feel fit. And I think that's the way that God designed it. Um, well, first off, my name is Jeff Brace, and uh, I'm here... Um, uh, I'm on staff here at New Life, and I get an opportunity to talk about um, uh, a, a book that I read last year. I went to the Church of the Resurrection, which is the largest United Methodist church in our denomination in Kansas City, and uh, a guy named Scott uh, Trochek, okay, I'll have to spell it, which I don't have it in front of me, uh, wrote a book called Pursuit. Uh, when Adam Hamilton does not speak there, uh, Scott usually gives the message, and he's also the founding pastor of their downtown location, uh, downtown Res in Kansas City. Uh, but he wrote a book called Pursuit, and in it he brings up some, uh, 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 some pretty good um, things that uh, I thought you know, we could spend a couple weeks talking about. Um, but you know, I'd certainly like to welcome you here uh, on this Memorial Day weekend. Uh, uh, our, our number, I know we have several that are traveling this weekend, so I, I pray for travel mercies on them and that they'll return safely to us. Uh, I also pray for the people that aren't here, that you know God moves in their heart, um, that they repent and turn and turn towards him. Um, but a um, lot's been going on these last two weeks, and uh, I feel like I'm ringing. Is it all right now? I've lost. I've lost. Oh, whoops! I've lost clips. So I'm using a paper clip. So that's probably um, the reason that it sounds kind of weird to me. Um, but this week, a lot's been going on. I've been uh, working um, rail and penny and everything. We work uh, at a nursery uh, for John Ackerlin, who they're not here because they're probably still working. Um, uh, since April was such poor weather. Everybody's trying to get all their stuff done in May. Um, Craig knows that uh, for sure. Uh, he's in the uh, landscaping business that uh, it just kind of all piles up on one month and you're, you're already behind and you're trying to catch up. So uh, uh, tonight it's going to be kind of interesting. So I'm going to start out with a prayer because I need to kind of center myself and get myself in the mood because I've been delivering mulch all day from about 8 o'clock this morning until... Uh, if anyone was here, it was probably about 20 minutes, quarter after five, that I rolled in. So um, I'm going to start off with a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering us here today. Uh, be with those that aren't with us tonight, uh, that they travel safely and return safely back to us. Um, be with me tonight, that, uh, that uh, the words that come out of my mouth are your words. And uh, the people that are here tonight, that their hearts are open and they receive, uh, receive this message as your message. Um, uh, in your holy name, amen. Amen. 
Uh, also, I forgot, I'd like to welcome the people that are listening to our, on our podcast. Uh, we have several people um, that actually listen to our messages uh, from around the country, believe it or not. Um, I, you know, the numbers are somewhere up to about 10 or 12 people that uh, basically listen to the messages. Um, um, it's also a great way if you do miss a Saturday night, you can kind of catch up. But uh, on our website, if you go to our website and click on listen, all our messages are on there. Thank you very much. Uh, my time has expired. Um, but uh, you can listen to any of the messages that you miss, or if you want to re-listen to uh, one of the messages, um, uh, you're certainly welcome to do so. Uh, also, we have some resources on there uh, that uh, sometimes in the message or during a Saturday night we have uh, a prayer or something. So we put those in our resource section so you can uh, kind of uh, meditate on those. Um, as I said, a lot has happened this week. Uh, Monday was kind of a horrific day uh, with the weather concern. Um, Oklahoma, uh, actually when it happened, uh, the, the, the reports of how many injured and how many uh, people had lost their life fluctuated quite a bit. Um, you know, it started out to be about 24, then it ended up about 51, and then I heard 91, and then it went back down to 27. And, uh, but the thing is that some people uh, lost their life in that. And a lot of times we, um, we get to a place and we wonder why God lets those things happen. Um, and it, at times we kind of doubt our faith um, a lot of times. And I think, I think God puts doubt in there to make our faith stronger. Um, you've heard of the expression leap of faith. Um, if it wasn't for doubt, we would never take the leap. So I think, you know, doubt is in there so it makes our faith stronger. Uh, a couple years ago, Adam Hamilton, who is the pastor of the Church of the Resurrection, they had similar tornadoes in that area, and he wrote something. I read it this week, and it, what it kind of determined is God did not send the tornadoes to find out what caused the tornadoes. One needs uh, not to seek a theologian or anyone in the church, but a meteorologist. Tornadoes are caused by warm and cool weather colliding. They can, and with some exception, now can be predicted. Um, the promise found throughout the scriptures, exemplified by the confidence of the 23rd psalmist, that even through, though I walk through the val valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. They will draw upon the work of the prophets who promised the exiles of ancient Israel that he will give you beauty from ashes, oil, of the joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of grief, that you might uh, become oaks of righteousness. Um, I thought that was very good. He goes on to say, Jesus was clear when he expected, what he expected of his disciples, that they feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, and welcome the stranger. We invite you to become the hands and feet of God by giving the resources to help those people and communities affected by the storms and then volunteering their time to go to the affected areas and give themselves to the task of cleaning up and rebuilding and embodying Christ's presence for the afflicted. 
Many Christians do not believe that God sends tornadoes, but they do believe that God walks with his children through the storms, that he sends his people to help after the storms, and that with and through God there is always hope. Um, I thought those were very poignant words um, because the, the tornadoes that happen in Oklahoma, those aren't going to be the last tornadoes that we, we um, uh, come in contact with. Um, there may be even uh, tornadoes in this area, uh, as there has been in the past. Um, so use those words as kind of a meditation to, um, to kind of rationalize um, what has it happened. But for the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about pursuit and what that means. Um, the great pursuit, the pursuit of happiness, trivial pursuit, the pursuit of God, um, how we are the pursuers or the pursuees. Um, this week in the e-newsletter, how many people read the e-newsletter? And I certainly like to invite you if, you, if you currently don't give them, if you have an email address, leave us with that email address and we can get you on that email news uh, letter that comes out once a week that Mark talked about at 6 o'clock in the morning. I think I set, sent it out this week at 5.59 in the morning. <laughs> so I, I wanted to beat it by one minute. But in it, I talked a little bit about um, something that happened to me in fourth grade. Um, I was sitting, and it was like September, so it was when school came back in session. And I was sitting there at my desk, and I get this note. You know, it's folded up, and I didn't think anything of it. And like I put in the, you know, it was kind of a sarcastic remark, but I, you know, I thought it was a piece of paper so I could make a spitball or something with it. So I put it up in the corner of my desk, and I didn't do anything about it until later in the afternoon. So I, I reached for it later in the afternoon, and I opened it up. And it said, Jeff, do you like me? Yes box, no box. T-H. Okay. So I'm sitting there going, wow. Well, there were two girls in our class that had the initials TH, okay? Teresa Hall, who was probably, she was cute, <laughs> she was gorgeous. Um, and then this other girl, who was, <laughs> no, that, that, would, that would be KG. This was in fourth grade, I didn't know Karen in fourth grade. <laughs> um, and then this other girl who, who she was cute. I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, but if I had my druthers then, it would have probably been Teresa Hall, but, you know. But her name was Tammy Hado, Um who later I found out that that's who sent me the note. But I still kind of remember the feeling that I had when I read that note. You know, we were probably a progressive class because... Normally, in the days that I was in fourth grade, it was usually the guys that made the first move, but this girl made the first move. Um, but so I just felt that feeling, you know, that somebody was pursuing me. Somebody wanted to know me a little better, wanted to know if they liked me or if I liked them. Um, and a lot of times we have that same attitude about God. You know, we romanticize our relationship with God. Um, we think 
a lot of times that God pursues us. You know, that we go on about our lives, we go about doing our normal activities, but all the time God's pursuing us. And yes, God does pursue us, but he pursues our obedience and he pursues our love. He doesn't pursue sue us because he wants anything from us. He, he made us. And in a little bit, I'm going to kind of illustrate that on why I, I feel that, you know, God doesn't chase us, you know, because he knows where we are all the time. He knows exactly where we're at. Um, the first time that God does that, um, how many people remember the, the book of Genesis um, and Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve were in the garden, um, a beautiful garden, just like this. Um, and they had it made. They had everything. They had all the animals. They had all the food. They had everything. And God told them what? Not to eat off the tree. Okay? So um, the woman saw the tree, how beautiful it was. And this is from Genesis 3. Uh, verse 6, the woman saw that the tree was beautiful with delicious food and the tree would provide wisdom. So she took some fruit and ate it. So she plucked an apple off. I'm not Eve, I'm Adam. But Adam took the second bite of the apple. And then she gave it to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. And they were both saw clearly that they were naked. Until they ate the apple, they didn't see that they were naked. Right? So, fruit the apple. Thanks. Thanks, Kim. So the next part of it, they took some fig leaves and they covered themselves. Well, wait, wait. It does say they sewed them together. <laughs> Maybe more. Um, but it did say that they sewed them together because they hid. They, they wanted to hide themselves. They saw that they were uh, naked. They were shameful. They first, that's the first time a human being experienced shame in their life or something that they did. Um, but then they hid. Okay? This was the first game of hide-and-go-seek. Right? So what did they do? They hid. And then God comes in, and what did he say? Where are you? Where are you? Now, from my perspective, I know who God is, and I know what he's capable of doing. And was he really fooled? You know, I played hide-and-go-seek as a kid, you know, and I, when they started counting to ten, I always had the best hiding spot, and I always would listen for Ali, Ali, oxen-free, come out, come out, for wherever you are and stuff. God didn't need to say, where are you? He knew exactly where they were. But he wanted to know where their hearts were. He wanted to know where um, 
were they were with God, what their standing was with God. Because what did they do? They disobeyed him. God told them not to eat the apple, but they did. Okay? They were banished. We were talking a little bit about this, about childbirth uh, earlier. But, you know, it goes on to say that's why women will experience pain in childbirth. You know, that's why men will toil every day in the soil. It's not going to be easy anymore for anybody because you disobeyed me. Was that a punishment? No. God pursued our obedience, and we weren't being obedient. Um, So we can still be obedient through the lives that we have now. Um, But, you know, that's... Let's skip ahead. Um, But the Lord God said, the human being has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And that's what he wanted to do, is us to differentiate, because we didn't know what evil was. We knew what good was. You know, earlier in the story, God asked Adam, why did you eat the apple? And what does he do? She made me do it. (laughs) You know, and then he asked Eve why she ate the apple, and he goes, well, it was that snake, you know, that God created the snake, by the way. Um, but, but he wanted us to experience uh, the difference between good and evil. Uh, I just lost this. The next story I'm going to talk about is something, and uh, Andrew's got a, um, a slide. Um, I'll have to apologize. The slides that I did prepare, I don't have them tonight. So um, we're going to have to kind of muddle through what we have now. But in Exodus 3, um, Moshe, and we call him Moses, but Moshe, because the Hebrews uh, would pronounce it probably Moshe, and the burning bush and the name of God, Moshe was caring for his flock. He was busy um, for his father-in-law, Hethro, uh, a Midian priest. He led his flock out to the edge of the desert, and he came upon God's mountain called Horeb. The Lord's messenger appeared to him in a flame of fire in the middle of a bush. Okay, if John Ackerlum was here, I would call it a shrub because he doesn't like bushes. Um, but imagine, okay, this is a bush, okay, and it's on fire, but it's not being consumed, okay? God was trying to grab uh, Moses' attention, um, and that's why he, you know, that's why he did that. Um, then Moses said to himself, let me check this out, this amazing sight, to find out why the bush isn't burning up. He was curious, so he walked over. When the Lord saw that he was coming, look, God called him out of the bush. Moses, 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 said, I'm here. Then the Lord said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground. He continued, I am God of your father, Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. Um, And so Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. You remember later on when Moses was leading the Israelites and 
God was going to come down and have his wrath on his people. And Moses says, don't look. Don't turn around and look. And stuff. And there were people that turned around and looked. And what happened? They turned to stone. Okay. Indiana Jones. How many Indiana Jones movies? Okay. Remember the, the Ark of the Covenant. You know, they, the, the Nazis were sitting there and they opened up the Ark of the Covenant. What happened to that dude's face? And stuff. Okay. That's the image that I had of people who didn't want to look at God because they thought, you know, they were going to, uh, it was going to be too much for them. Then the Lord said, I've clearly seen my people oppressed in Egypt. I've heard their city of injustice because of their slave masters. I know about their pain. I've come down to the rescue from the Egyptians in order to take them out of that land and bring them to a good and broad land, and the land that's full of milk and honey, a place where the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Morites and a lot of people, now the Israelites cry for injustice, have reached me. I've seen just how much the Egyptians have oppressed them. So get going. I'm sending you to the Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I to go to the Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of, um, of Egypt? God said, I'll be with you. And this will show you that I'm the one who sent you. After you bring the people out of Egypt, you will come back here and worship God on this mountain. God's name or God's special name. This is the first time that God um, reveals his name uh, to, to Moses. Um, and if you have a Bible and you look at that, um, um, later on, when, when they come to that name, it's always Lord. And Lord is all capitalized. And there's a reason for that. Because the name of God was so sacred that the earliest Jewish people and the Hebrews and stuff, it was against the law to pronounce God's name because it was so holy and stuff. So whenever there's a book um, in, the, in our Bibles and everything and, the, and, and they use the specific name of God, they always capitalize it, Lord, L-O-R-D, all capitalized. And that's why they do that. Um, but Moses said to God, if I now come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they're going to ask me, what's God's name? What am I supposed to say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Basically, he said, I am. Um, I am has sent me to you. God continued, say to the Israelites, the Lord, uh, the God of your ancestors, again, all those ancestors, has sent me to you. This is your name forever. This is how all generations would remember me. Now, God's name, and if Andrew will... Oh, we don't have it. Darn it. Um, uh, it's one of the slides that I had last night that I don't have with me now. But God's name is actually, when you spell it out, it looks... Um, I won't do it. Who knows what the pi symbol looks like? You know, like pi, 3.16, whatever. Um, one of the letters is like that, and it's in there twice, and then there's a couple other symbols. It's actually four letters. And when you read them in Hebrew, because 
when we read anything in English, we read it from left to right, right? Well, in Hebrew, or ancient Hebrew, they would read it from left to right. And when you pronounce these letters, because in Hebrew there are no vowels, so whenever they see word, letters like this, they breathe them. It's very, they use a lot of uh, breath when they, they do that. So God's name is actually what they call a tetragrammaton. Okay, and if you want to Google it, Google tetragrammaton, and this name will come up. Um, but how you pronounce it, and I'm going to try the best I can to pronounce it the way that it, it's originally um, pronounced, is yo, he, wa, he. Yo, he, wa, he. Sounds like a person breathing, right? Well, yo, ha, he, yeah. Yo, he, wa, he. It's been described as the breath a baby takes when it's born, or when a person takes its last breath. The word. When you look at it, that's where we get Yahweh from. And that's probably the most sacred name of God that we know of is Yahweh. Um, if I had to do it all over again, let's kind of switch topics here, I would, have, I, I would have majored in one of four areas. I was a journalism major in college. Um, but out of 54 years, I finally think I've grown up. And there's four areas that if I had to do it all over again, I think I have it narrowed down to what I would major in in college. One would be sociology. I always am fascinated studying people, so sociology would be a, an interest of mine. Anthropology. Anthropology is the study of cultures, um, past cultures, on why certain cultures survive and certain cultures die off. Uh, but anthropology has been a... a I have a sister-in-law who's an archaeologist, and it's kind of similar. Um, so I, I'm fascinated every time I talk to Carrie. Uh, she, she is, um, uh, she, her doctorate was in uh, a Mayan culture. So anytime I talk about the Mayans, the Mayans were actually a civilization that died off. You know, so that would be an anthropology study on why the Mayan culture actually, actually they assimilated. There are still Mayans today, but they've kind of assimilated in culture. When we were down in Belize, we actually met some Mayans. Um, or they they uh, hold that proudly that that's their heritage heritage of being a Mayan. So I, I firmly believe that they were they assimilated um, into another culture. Um, but on the other end of the spectrum, those are two, would be astrophysics or quantum physics. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Space, the final frontier. Monday afternoon, I went to see Star Trek before I found out that there was a tornado. I went to see the new movie Star Trek, and if you haven't seen it, uh, go see it. You know, if you're original Trekkie, you, you will uh, be happy to know that they, they, it's, it's a lot better than the last one that they did. Um, but 
in Star Trek, everybody knows that, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Okay, space, the final frontier. You know, they talk about things about warp drive and, you know, the transporter that, you know, makes your molecules transport somewhere else. Um, it's fascinating. And they also said, you know, I grew up um, with space. Um, when I was a child, it was the Mercury Project. How many people were around with the Mercury? Thank you very much. <laughs> um, the Mercury Project was a very lonely uh, space ride because you rode by yourself. Okay, whoever was in a, a Mercury space capsule, there was only one astronaut in the space capsule, so it was very lonely. Uh, the next project was Gemini. Gemini, there were two people in the spacecraft, so you had a, a partner, a friend. Um, I, I was fortunate at an uh, early age, the National Guard Armory had something going on and my dad was involved and I went there. They actually had a mock-up of a Gemini space capsule there, full-size mock-up of a Gemini space capsule, and they thought it would be really cool if a kid sat in it, and guess I sat in it. So I saw the buttons and the knobs, and I said, wow, I want to do this. This looks fun, you know? And especially if somebody else was going with me, because I don't know if I could stand being cooped up in a place by myself because I'm claustrophobic. But if I had somebody with me, you know, it would be um, kind of cool. Um, also, at a young age, I, I, you know, I, I know exactly where I was when Neil Armstrong walked on the, on the moon for the first time. Um, and the reason I'm saying this is this week, also, um, the, Herschel, um, uh, the Herschel Space Telescope, it's a European space um, telescope that's in 23,000 miles above space, um, and it's on its final, um, it's about to run out of fuel, okay, if it hasn't already. But it's been doing, the last project that it's been doing, it's been staring out into space, and everybody sees over on the left-hand side the little dot in the center. Well, what it is is it's blown up that big. And when scientists were kind of talking about this, they said, is this a new kind of universe? Because it actually rotates two different directions. Okay, most um, universes, like the Milky Way, there's a spiral and it kind of spins and stuff, but this particular universe is spinning this way, and it's also spinning this way. Well, what they did through computer analysis is they found out that it's actually two universes merging together, okay? And it, it's something that they're being able to witness now. Um, they are calling it a star factory. And what a star factory is, is our Milky Way universe just naturally, every year, produces about two or three stars, okay? And these are stars the size of our sun. So nothing smaller than that. It probably produces a lot of more things smaller than that. But things that are larger than our sun, it produces about two to three um, new suns or new stars a year. This thing produces over 2,000 stars a year, okay? They've actually time-lapsed it. This, by the way, is 4 billion light years away from the Earth. 
uh, light year is how long it takes from light to travel in one year. So they forget about miles because it would be just incalculable. So think about four billion light years away. So it's a long way away, okay? Um, so what they did is they did a time lapse to see these um, two universes merging together and they kind of through computer analysis because they know their past and stuff. So they go back 1.5 billion years in time so they can actually see these come together and all the stars being produced. So they're star factories. How many people remember the verse in the Bible about God naming things? God creates all the stars. and He, name, he has a name for every one. So I, I just think that's kind of cool about um, scientists also, astrophysicists uh, also say there's something out there that's holding all this together. You know, they know that the universe is ever expanding, but they have identified that there's a force out there that is actually holding everything together. And through telescopes and through radio telemetry and everything, they can actually listen to it. It's this audible hum that they hear. And it's an energy source that they don't know where it comes from. You know, we did a series last year, and then when I, I'm going to talk a little bit about quantum physics, which goes the other way and talks about things that are small. Um, but we did a series last year about can science and God coexist? Okay. So something out there is holding this whole vast universe, something that's so so big that we don't understand it together. Okay, Anders, put up the next picture. The atom. The atoms are really small. Okay, we know we're all made up of cells, and we did a message a couple years ago about um, lanum, lanum, uh, laminin, laminin. Laminin is like the glue that holds all our cells and DNA strands together. Okay, and when they do a molecular structure of laminin, it's in the shape of a cross. Okay, um, they've actually looked at laminin through an electronic microscope, and it looks like a cross. I mean, it, it's not straight lines, but it's, uh, it looks like a cross. Okay, so that's the glue that holds cells together. Okay, atoms are even smaller than cells. Okay, atoms, 1940, about, this was our basic understanding of what an atom was. It was made up of protons, neutrons, electrons, and nucleus. And a nucleus in the center. Okay, and I'm saying this because that was our understanding in 1940. Things have gone so fast in the last 60-some um, years, uh, we have what's called, uh, actually, a, we have Fermilab in West, outside of West Chicago um, that does, it's a nuclear accelerator. And what they do is they take particles and they accelerate them in a circle by magnets and everything, and they collide them together. And this is how they study what atoms or what electrons and everything are made of. Well, what they've done is they've taken protons, neutrons, and electrons, and they've split them, and they actually 
find that they are made up of um, um, smaller things. Okay, um, 1940, a number of subatomic uh, particles known to science could be counted on the fingers of one hand. Protons, neutrons, electrons, neutrinos, and positrons. Today, the elementary particles of a standard model include six flavors of quarks. Okay? Quarks are even smaller than anything. And they are up, down, bottom, top, strange, and charm, just for your information. Six types of leptons, electrons, electron neutrinos, muons, muon neutrinos, tau, tau neutrinos, 12-gauge bosons, force carriers, the photons of electromagnetism, the 3W and Z bosons of weak force, and eight gluons, and the strong force. And then the Higgs boson. The Higgs boson is... Um, I, I looked it up what the Higgs boson is. The nickname for the Higgs boson is the God particle. Okay? Um, and not for any theological reasons. I mean, they just kind of stuck on the name the God particle. That kind of um, what the boson um, or the Higgs boson particle actually does is it gives things mass. Okay. Um, it actually gives other things forces. Whenever anything collides with anything, it's the force behind it um, that actually move. You know, moves. Everybody's heard that. You know. Um, uh, any, any action or reaction is something that hits it a opposite, um, in an opposite, opposite direction. Um, but the Higgs boson actually gives um, particles mass. Okay, So it's kind of important. But scientists are also understanding right now that there are forces that hold all this together. An atom, if you look at an atom, it's made up of 99% space, okay? So in between the nucleus and the electrons and pro protons and that whole round thing right there, 99% of it is nothing, okay? If you took all the atoms that we have here on Earth or that exist and add up all that space, you could fit it inside the, the size of a... Um, a sugar cube. That's how much space, I mean, so when you talk about quantum physics, you're talking about the really small stuff, okay? I firmly believe that God is in the big, big space, the universe, and he's also in this, okay? So God's all around us. So does God really come looking for us? He's got us surrounded. You know, and that's the reason I bring this, this stuff up. And a lot of this, I mean, it's ongoing. It's ongoing studies. And I read uh, a paper a couple weeks ago where they're, they're talking about um, that religion and God actually can in exist in some of this stuff because we can't explain it. And I don't think God is explainable. So scientists, you know, the, the whole thing about... Um, the, the scientific theory where, you know, it's theory and you have to prove it by fact and everything. 
they're understanding that some of these things we just don't know. We're, we're not capable of understanding it yet. There's a bigger force out there that's at work in this. Um, the, next, the next thing I'm going to talk about, and I'm going to kind of talk about this more in detail next week, um, but this is my sociology and my uh, uh, anthropology part. But Scott points out in the book, he says, out of all our understanding, um, there are three questions that we're always asking ourselves, that human beings are always questioning. And one of them is, who am I? Why am I here? And what is the purpose for my life? Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this next week. But, Andrew, if you can show the next slide. The id, the self, and the who. The id, um, psychology, um, you can have, there's different schools of psychology. Um, Sigmund Freud was a psychologist, and he kind of brought up the term id. Um, I'm more of a cognitive thinker because, I, you know, I think it's, you have certain traits that you're inherited with that you can't, you know, you're just born with them. Somebody throws a baseball at you, what do you do? Like that. That's, that's an instinct. That's an instinct, right? To, to shield your face. Um, babies, when you blink, a bright light hits you, you blink. That's an instinct and stuff. And then you have social learning. You have things that are, you learn uh, throughout time. But uh, Freud, Freud was kind of weird. He was also a, a, an atheist. But uh, he brought up the idea of id, your identity, yourself who you are, okay? Um, so we're going to kind of delve into that. The next one is tribe, community, and why. Tribe, um, when I first saw this term when I was young, I thought about Native Americans or Indians, you know, the Indian tribe. But we're all part of a tribe, believe it or not. Um, tribes actually believe, in, believe sort of the same things. Um, culturally, they're, um, they have something in common, our tribes. Um, when you talk about denominations or religion, uh, Methodist, being a Methodist, you're part of a tribe. Um, Lutherans are part of a tribe. Uh, Baptists are part of a tribe, um, you know, to speak in that terms. But uh, there are tribes, there are communities. Um, communities are something that we're trying to... Um, uh, form a genu uh, an authentic one here at New Life, but uh, it also could be uh, coined in communities. Um, but that's why I exist, why, why I'm here. The next one, thank you, mission or purpose or what? What is, what's the reason for my life or what, what is the thing I'm going to do? So we're going to talk about mission, purpose, and what it is I am. Um, in closing, what I'd like to do is uh, wish you all a belated Aldergate, Aldersgate um, holiday. Um, we didn't have a party. We didn't have a party. But people from around the world gathered in London this week for the 275th anniversary of Aldersgate. 
the experience on May 24, 1738, that shaped the life of Methodism co-founder John Wesley. I felt my heart strangely warm. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. Wesley wrote in his diary, Wesley, then 34, had his transformative experience during an evening worship gathering on Aldersgate Street in London. So that many years ago, John Wesley knew that there was a higher being, and that he was surrounded by, by God. He quit, you know, he quit saying that God was pursuing him, and he started pursuing God. He started pursuing that relationship. He started pursuing a life of obedience towards God. Um, and he desperately loved God. So that's what I call all of you to do stuff. I'm going to close in prayer, and then I invite the worship team to come back, uh, to come up, not back. Uh, but to uh, join us in our third um, part of our worship service um, um, in song. Heavenly Father, again, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to come in a space like this that um, over the years people have fought battles. They've, they've fought for our freedom so we can worship our God in a free country. Um, many places around the world, people are oppressed, and they can't openly um, believe or shout your name or uh, read your word in their own language. Um, we, are, we remember those who went on before us that made this all possible um, on this Memorial Day weekend. Be, be with our time the rest of the night that we can truly pursue your love, pr pursue your obedience uh, through the words that you've given me, through, through the songs that we're going to sing. Your gracious and holy name, Amen.